Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On today's episode, I sit down with Josh Romanski, former MVP for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. He's back in town. He's from California. What does he think of the cold? Also, Matt Cockle of the Winnipeg Ice, President and General Manager. How are ticket sales going? And a chat with Dwayne Green, Executive Director of the True North Youth Foundation on the work they're doing in the community for mental health. That's on the podcast. The Winnipeg Gold Eyes announced a big signing yesterday, ensuring that two-time champ and 2017 American Association MVP Josh Romanski will be back with the Fish. Spent some time in the Mexican League last year before coming back to the peg, batting 314 with four homers and 30 RBI in 69 contests. Nice. Josh joins me now in studio on the CGOB Sports Show. Josh, you're from California. How you liking this weather? <laughs> uh, I got asked that question last night, actually. Uh, it's been... Uh... You know, it's uh, it's eye opening. You know, it's uh, definitely a, a type of cold that I've never experienced. So um, yeah, it's been uh, you know I've been digging through my digging through my clothes. You know, trying to find something that'll keep me warm. This isn't a ton of snow, but I mean, imagine you didn't get a lot of snow growing up. Uh, actually, it did not snow one time uh, where I live uh, throughout my entire life. So any snow for me is a lot of snow. So this is uh, it's definitely been different. So how long have you been back in Winnipeg? Uh, I got here uh, about a month ago. Uh, came back, uh, came back up here for um, you know for an opportunity to uh, to work with some kids um, in the off season and kind of kind of give back to the community a little bit and uh, just uh, you know really just get ready for the upcoming season. Why was it important for you to uh, help with kids? Uh, you know, it's I, I think it's good anytime professional athletes can can give back to, to younger kids. You know, I, I know I was uh once in their shoes, you know, being a young kid and uh you know, looking up to these you know, looking up to these ball players as, you know, someone that I emulate and, and someone that I wanted to be in the future. So uh, you know, it it comes full circle and it's just uh you know, it's my opportunity to give back. So what exactly are you uh are you doing with the kids? Uh, you know, we just you know, we just cover basics you know a lot of it's fundamental stuff you know at an early age you know fundamentals are so important uh you know and and actually you know still you know being at the level of baseball that i'm at and that i've played you know fundamentals wins baseball games so um you know you just work with the fundamentals and uh you know kind of like a, a aggressiveness and you know just kind of uh you know teaching them to you know get in there and and not be afraid to you know get after it so last year you had a, an eventful year. You you left the Gold Eyes for a bit. Uh, tell me about that process and then returning to Winnipeg. Well, I was actually I was actually contacted at the end of the 2017 season uh, to go play down in Mexico, and then uh, over the off season, I I, uh, I signed with the team to go down there. Uh, wasn't exactly what I expected. Wasn't really what I was looking for. It's uh, it's baseball in Mexico is definitely a different game. But um, you know when I when I was done there and came home and <clears throat> you know I was kind of sitting around sitting around the house and you know uh, I got a good I have a very good relationship with uh, Rick Forney the manager here and uh, you know I've been talking with him a little bit and you know decided to to come back and and finish the year here in Winnipeg because I mean I love it here it's you know it's been a good three years for me so. Um, finished last year and then you know we, we talked about uh me coming back this year back then so here i am did you ever think when you were growing up playing baseball you going to the university of san diego winnipeg <laughs> i mean obviously not i mean you know i just 
growing up, I didn't even know about, you know, independent ball or, you know, it was always like, you know, professional baseball in the States is kind of what they, you know, put in front of us as, you know, kind of like the carrot. But, uh, you know, it's it's a great place to play. The city treats us great. You know, we get, we get opportunities to come here and, and talk on the radio. You know, stuff like that doesn't happen, um, you know, in the States for, for minor league baseball players. So uh, it's definitely a, a unique place to play, and, and I enjoy it. What did you know about Canada growing up? Absolutely nothing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys, you know, have your opinions of of oh, Americans yeah. Oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of how we are. But um, you know, I think that's part of what makes our country country great is you know we're we're very motivated and um, you know we we kind of we kind of focus on ourselves, you know, which sometimes it can be, sometimes it can be bad, but you know, a, a lot of times it can be beneficial. So, um, for, you know, growing up, it was all, you know, us, this us, that, and, you know, I was, I've really been focused on baseball my whole life. So I, you know, it's just what's, what was next in baseball for me, you know, first get to school, get my education, then play baseball. And, you know, it's just kind of just where it's led me. But, I enjoy Canada. Uh, great people here. Uh, very friendly people, uh, and uh, you know the city of Winnipeg is very special to me. How does Shaw Park, in terms of the ballpark itself, rank in your league? Uh, it's definitely up there. Um, you know the uh, especially for being an older park, right? I mean, it's been around for for a while now. So um, you know. The fans obviously make the atmosphere, so uh, without them, you know, the stadium's really nothing. But, you know, there's there's some newer stadiums in the uh, in the league, but still, Shaw Park is, you know, there's a lot of tradition here uh, with winning, and it's you know one of the one of the more winning organizations in the league. So, um, you know, it's Shaw Park is 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 a place that uh, is is definitely memorable to play at. So last year was a struggle for the Gold Eyes on the field. The worst season statistically, <laughs> win-loss-wise, in the franchise's history. Yeah. After what was the best run they ever had, a couple championships. So take me through the highs of winning to the lows of last year. Uh, you know, that's that's a really that's a really uh, interesting dynamic to, to point out because, you know, I was just talking to our, our radio guy last night, uh, Steve Schuster, and we were t- kind of talking about the 2016 and 2017 season, and there's there was just so many exciting games and, and so many come-from-behind wins. And, you know, in 16, we we won two playoff series in Game 5 on the road, you know, and, and in professional sports, you know, that's that's tough to do. You know, home home field advantage matters. So, um, and then obviously to to back it up in, in 2017 and, and win back-to-back and, and do it at home, that was, um, you know, that was a night that I'll, I'll never forget for the rest of my life. But, um you know, just last year we just kind of, you know, obviously I came late, so I didn't really see what happened at the beginning. But uh, you know, we got a lot of injuries, and you know, it's just baseball is baseball is a game where I mean, in professional sports, really, I mean, it's one thing can happen in a game that just changes the whole outcome. So um, you know, it just it just seemed like last year we just didn't get as many of those big hits didn't get as many of those big zeros um that we that we got in 16 and 17 and you know that mixed with the injuries and you know kind of a player shuffle guys coming in and out and you know it was just a, it was just a tough year but i mean you know three three peating that's that's hard that's hard to do i mean you know back to back is tough 
three-peat is, you know, doesn't happen in sports. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll look to, uh, you know, definitely definitely be back in the mix this year. You know, anytime you say you expect a championship is, is yeah. tough to say, but, you know, it's kind of the standard here now especially so uh you know we'll, we'll definitely look to be back in the mix you're an outfielder now but you were a pitcher for a long time yes sir why did you make that change um actually to be honest i as uh i ran out of bullets as they say mm-hmm. you know sometimes pitchers just uh you know they get to a point in their career where they don't have the velocity and you know there's their arm doesn't feel the same and it's just you know the recovery is is becomes more difficult in between outings and you know, I had an elbow surgery a long time ago uh, at the very beginning of my career, and you know, it just kind of, just kind of came back, and you know, it's, it just kind of got to the point where it was like it it hurt every time to pitch. Every time I was going in the game to pitch, my arm was killing me. So I I knew at that point that uh, that the pitching part of it was over. Um, luckily I was a center fielder in college, so I decided to play one year as a hitter just to see, you know, just to see what I could do and. You know, here I am five years later still doing it. Is part of the appeal of Winnipeg because in most of these other cities, they're, they're not too far from an actual major league team, whereas in Winnipeg, it's just the Blue Jays and then the Twins, and there's no real connection with either of those two. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, the, the thing that makes Winnipeg so cool to me is 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 they give us that really – that really extra and and above and beyond treatment you know like they give the jets and like they give the bombers so it's you know it's really a unique place and and they treat us so well here you know go out to restaurants or you know go have a drink or whatever and they recognize you and they you know they they give you that that uh that star treatment so to speak so um you know i I tell people all the time man winnipeg is if you're gonna play you're gonna play independent baseball man that winnipeg is a place to be all right, Josh, well, I appreciate you coming down here to talk to me. Today. Yeah, Christian, thanks for having me on, man. Let's do it again sometime. Mental health has been a big topic of discussion this week because of a major corporate initiative done by another media company. But for the True North Youth Foundation and Project 11, it isn't a one-day-a-year thing where you tweet out a hashtag. This is every day, and the work they do is exceptional. So let's shine a light on it now. It's Hockey Talks Night at the Jets game with Dwayne Green, who has been the executive director of the True North Youth Foundation since 2011 after a dozen years as a teacher. Dwayne joins us now on the sports show. And Dwayne, how did your experience as a teacher help you in your role with this foundation? Um, I think one of the the biggest things that um, I learned from my teaching is that um, when you commit to children over a longer period of time, you know, when you want to invest in, in their their goals and their success, you typically have a higher uh, success rate and a higher level of engagement from the, from the youth. So that's um, one of the things that we've really tried to model our programs on that we're not um, kind of in and out of their life. It's kind of, it's uh, our programs are all ones that the kids know were there for a, a longer period of time than they would normally see. So what did you learn about at risk kids then? Well, I think they're all unique, uh, and I think that um, a lot of times one of the things that I've taken away from working with youth is that um, they may come to school having experienced things that um, we may only imagine, you know, and uh, we can't hold a grudge, and we need to be consistently there for them so you can build trust and rapport and uh, build a solid foundation to help them achieve their goals. Now, when you took over, 
this position. It wasn't long after that uh, that Rick Rippon passed away. What impact did that have on you? Well, it had a massive impact. I mean, I, um, I'll i be honest, when I started, we were looking at creating our Winnipeg Jets Hockey Academy and, and growing it and making it bigger. And then uh, with the unfortunate passing of Rick and, and knowing what uh, his goal was of helping youth, um, it just brought it uh, brought everything to the forefront, you know, of of how do we want to do this? How do we want to make it um, make an impact, a positive impact, one that's going to um, change children's lives? And um, that's kind of where we we landed. You know, we have we've had a lot of people help us along the way, and um, you know, it's it's been a real uh, blessing, I think, for our foundation and our organization. Uh, to find something good come out of such a tragic event and uh, has also, I think, been a real benefit to uh, the youth of Manitoba. And that, I imagine, kind of raised the stakes of what mental health education can mean to to kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, um, Rick as a prime example. You know, he had the world by the tail, so to speak, in that he was an NHL hockey player living a dream, making, you know, a million dollars a year and and he just needed coping. He needed, he needed, um, you know, as he talked to Craig Heisinger, that he needed, he needed better ways to cope. And he, you know, he just couldn't deal with it. He wasn't, he wasn't, he had no addictions problems or anything of that nature. It was just, he perseverated on, um, on the negatives. And um, so we've really um, modeled this program, and I give a, a whole lot of credit to um, Susie Friesen and Carrie Walbauer and and our education committee and all the people that have helped us along the way uh, to build a program that provides kids with many tools to be, uh, to provide them with healthy coping skills in a way that maybe they wouldn't have thought of before and, and showing them that uh, the littlest things, little changes in their, in their thinking can make a world of difference. So what are the kinds of programs that the uh, true North foundation runs? So obviously our, our Project 11 is, has been a, a major uh, component of what we've done, and we're in uh, over 1,100 uh, classrooms across the province of Manitoba, so that's very significant. We also run the Winnipeg Jets Hockey Academy, which is uh, a long-term commitment, again, to youth. They're in a, in a program with us associated with school. Um, they get 25 weeks of on-ice hockey training so to speak um, but the unique aspect is that they actually stay with us we, we program for them until they graduate high school so we just continue to backfill the program uh, so we actually have 850 kids a week uh, for 25 weeks they also get an after-school component where we do character building and uh, teach them some more components of hockey but really it's about making a connection between them and their school and their community and and helping them achieve graduation. Uh, that's ultimately what we're looking for. Uh, in high school, we give them, we've hired professional tutors. We've got a career counselor. And just giving them uh, opportunities that they may not otherwise have, have received. And uh, we've, we've seen some really success uh, successful stories come out of that. We had our first graduating class. Last year, uh, we see a 90%, just over 90% retention rate from year to year. So um, that's had a great impact. And uh, we've also taken over Camp Manitou, which is just five minutes outside the city. Um, 
I know you've put in a significant investment there just to improve facilities and, and grow the capacity for children to experience an outdoor education uh, program. Uh, when we first took over the first year, we had about 4,000 patrons come through and youth and, and adults. And this past year, we'll have exceeded 17,000. So that's in a four-year span of uh, just giving kids an opportunity to to have access to something um, like that is uh, is, a, is an amazing experience. And then we also run a Learn to Play program um, that is a joint program with the NHL and the NHLPA, and we have 1,100 students uh, affiliated with three school divisions that we run through that program. I'm curious, in your years of working with kids, how much has iPhone, cell phone technology and how it's everywhere now, how has that changed the process of working with kids? Well, it's it's um, <clears throat> it's really changed them in in, in some positive ways and in a lot of ways. Um, I don't like to use the term negative. In you know, it's it's more of a learning experience for all of us. Um, teaching them patience. You know, um, if they want to get some information, they just Google it, right? Um, but if they want to achieve their goal from from whether it's you know goal A to goal B, they can't Google it and it's not going to happen really quick. They got to learn. Um, they learn to be patient and they got to learn to work hard and they got to learn to be committed. And that's what, you know, a lot of our programs uh, tend to do is that we stay committed to them. Uh, we don't, um, you know, there's no judgment attached to it. They're going to make mistakes and we're going to help them learn through it along with their family and their other support systems. Um, and I would say the other, the other thing is, is teaching them proper etiquette. Um, it's pretty easy for, for somebody to say something to somebody um, when they're not looking at them in the face and they can't see their eyes and they can't see their reaction. Um, so just teaching them that etiquette of, of how to properly communicate is is one thing that, that we work on a lot with our, our students. And, and Project Levin does that in a, in a major way, and so does the Hockey Academy. And when you come to Cam Attitude, it's a, you know, it's a devices put away kind of atmosphere. So, um, you know, just trying to show them different ways of, of communication and, and being there for each other. And that goes hand in hand with bullying and cyberbullying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't, um, you know, we've never looked to target bullying per se, um, but obviously it's it's around everywhere. And I know that from our work with Healthy Child Manitoba and, um, you know, it, it, they them doing research on our program for Project 11, we have seen a significant decrease um, in bullying in the classroom. So that's a really nice um, offshoot of what we've been trying to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, bullying and cyberbullying is something that is, is in front of every youth. You know, I've got kids in high school and middle school and, and younger and in elementary school and, and, you know, my own kids. And it's a matter of just teaching them and being aware and keeping lines of communication open. Well, Dwayne, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight, and I know a lot of people appreciate the work that uh, the organization does in the communities here in Manitoba. Well, I just want to say thanks for uh, you know taking the time and, and speaking with me here, and uh, you know just thank all of our supporters and our you know our, the people that appreciate what we do. It's uh, we're humbled by the support we get, and I uh, just want to say thanks. With the pending move of the Kootenai Ice to Winnipeg, one of the main topics of discussion is whether or not another hockey team can survive in this market. Is it too saturated? Well, 
judging by the amount of spots reserved for ice games at the U of M's Wayne Fleming Arena, things are actually looking pretty pretty good for the ice. Joined now by Matt Cockle, President and General Manager of the Ice. Matt, how have ticket sales gone so far? We're unbelievably excited with the response. There's been uh, a lot of moving pieces to, to get everything organized uh, to announce and you know, a, a lot of things that we're continue to work on to get get ahead of um, the excitement to come next season. So, um, I mean, to, to, to be honest, we we really haven't um, done done much promotion and and really just kind of casually um, want to let people know through a um, bit of a social presence that we're developing and, and a few other things that uh, if you wanted to confirm. Uh, your place in line really for season seats that you'd have the opportunity to do that. And, and I certainly don't think we expected the response right away that we got. And it just further affirms for us that, you know, Winnipeg is really the hockey capital of Canada. So you had 1,400 slots, is that correct? Right. So we're the capacity um, right now that's can that's confirmed um, is 1400 at Wayne Fleming arena. And so we're, we're trying to be as fair as possible to the market, given the limited capacity, um, you know, to find a way in terms of priority for seed selection, how we work through that. So this mechanism uh, seems to be working well uh, that we have in place at winnipegice.ca to, to confirm your priority in line. And then uh, once we um, are able to confirm some, some of our renovation plans, uh, that capacity could, could increase. Um, we're working through a number of different options with the university, um, and that's one of the reasons we haven't been able to go to market with um, with pricing and those sorts of things because some of those plans will impact uh, what we're able to offer short term. Um, but the fact that there's been as much interest as there has been just to make sure people are, um, you know, in place of priority to select their seats and and confirm them is is really something that we're uh, we're really excited about and we'll be even more excited to announce um, our plans at Wayne Plumbing Arena. And uh, certainly part of having seats in an intimate environment like that and it, it is also going to allow people to continue to have priority selection eventually in the long-term home of the ICE, uh, the event centre that we're building. Have you filled all 1,400 uh, openings yet? We're working towards it. I haven't, uh, <laughs> haven't gotten an updated count here in the last few hours but uh it was a great start here again this morning i think uh, uh at around 10 a.m we were we were just over a thousand um in under under 24 hours and um so we really appreciate and would like to take the opportunity it's to very thank Winnipeg for uh incredible sport yeah wayne fleming arena for those who haven't been in there at the u of m it's not big it's it it feels kind of old the, they're bench seating there's no video screen so there's gonna have to be a lot of work to make this work right for the two years you're gonna be there there is and, and we're pretty far along that uh that process i think those that have confirmed their seats are going to be really excited about what the environment uh looks like and the type of improvements um lighting video scoreboard the technology that that i can confirm will will be in place before next season but there's also uh a few other little wrinkles and surprises that we're that we're planning and um we just want to be careful to make sure everything is uh is 100 final before before we announce those things so over the next uh, couple months 
uh, will confirm those details. And one of the reasons, to, which is a little bit unique, announce uh, the relocation midseason, um, as we said, was to be fair to Cranbrook, of course, but also um, it allows us to, to move forward and confirm some of these uh, plans, uh, which are real important for our fans. I know the men's team for the Bison, their season's going to be over pretty soon because they're not going to make the playoffs, but the women's team has some time left. Is there, you're going to wait until the seasons are over? Is this a summer project to get all this work done? We have a confirmed window with the university for when the renovations will take place. And so um, we're working with our architecture partner and and the university and um, really just putting the finishing touches on kind of option A, B, C, and D and um, what that'll look like. And uh, the university has been been incredible to work with and really feel like this is going to be a win for our fans and an incredible environment to watch uh, CHL hockey for for two years and such an intimate environment. It's a win for the university and certainly the men's and women's program. And there's a tremendous partnership with uh, the CHL, the Western Hockey League and and U-Sports. I think 15 players in the current men's team, as an example, are benefiting from Western Hockey League scholarships. So, um, I think it's a, it's a great story all the way around. Who will be paying for all the upgrades? Uh, they will be paid uh, privately from, from our ownership group, 50 Below. Okay, so you're doing all of them then? That's correct. Okay, so the university will appreciate that? They've been phenomenal partners. Yeah, They're, uh, you know, They've worked with us and accommodated our schedule and um, certainly uh, – doing everything they can to allow us to do what, what we want to do to make sure that the, the building is a really exciting place to be. And we also think it's going to create a great environment, a lasting environment for uh, the men's and women's program. So in the 48 hours since you've announced the relocation, roughly 48 hours, give or take a few hours, what have you learned from or what have you heard from people in Winnipeg and people in Cranbrook? I imagine very different reactions from this move. Yeah, I think first starting with um, Cranbrook, I mean, my experience there has been been fantastic. Um, you know, there's almost 21 years of, of history with uh, the ice, and you know, I think we want to make sure that we on the ice finish the season strong, and we have a really exciting group of young young players that continue to get better, and they're excited uh, um, about where things are, are headed in terms of their own development personally and, and with their team on the ice. So um, momentum there is, is really important. Um, I think it's also very important to um, make sure that we continue to execute our, our, our plan in terms of our game day production and just finish the season uh, in a real positive way um, in Cranbrook. And then at the same time, uh, the balance is, um, you know, we're, there's a lot of work to do to, make sure that we're prepared to um, do everything we need to to start the season next year uh, with the team of Winnipeg. Well, Matt, I appreciate your time uh, tonight and uh, I guess continued best of luck with this uh, the t- ticket drive and moving the team. Thank you very much. And thanks again to, uh, to everybody that's confirmed their seats and um, there's still seats available to confirm. So winnipegice.ca and I uh, appreciate you having me on. Hey, Clay, did you know that they're, uh, the National Chicken Council, south of the border, is predicting that Americans will eat 1.38 billion chicken wings during the Super Bowl?
billion. That's with a b. How many chicken that. wings can you eat in one sitting? Mm, I can eat about 12 to 15. Oh, that's it? Well, if I'm really hungry, maybe 18. Why, you want to have a chicken? Uh, no, I will just I will dust the floor with you. Pardon me? I ate two Subway footlongs tonight. Of course I'll win. Well, I'm not a big eater. <laughs> no, no, I know. You know, I mean, you saw the salad I brought. <laughs> There's tonight. bananas in it. Pardon me? There's a banana in it. There's banana. Lettuce, um, tomato. Tomato, carrots, lettuce. It's a macaroni salad for some reason. There's... <laughs> there's there's salmon in there. Yeah, I forgot All the salmon. All good things. That's healthy, man. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes. Not available on Google Podcasts. Not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.